And so to this day, if you tell me I can't do something, you better get out of the way as I blow by you doing it because of what he taught me as a baby. And I won't step on anybody or cheat them to get where I'm going. But when somebody tells you you can't do something, that doesn't mean anything. All it means is they couldn't do it. <laughs> okay, it doesn't mean you couldn't do it. Rain Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Unleash Your Supernova. I'm your host, Nova Lorraine, and this show is storytelling at its best. Meet creatives that are doing what they love and changing the world. Listen in and grow both in business and life. Get tips, hacks, and words of wisdom to help you unleash your superpowers. As you know, this is the companion podcast of the book, Unleash Your Supernova, which is a tool guide to help both creatives and entrepreneurs tap into the greatest version of themselves. It allows you to find and unleash that inner brilliance. I'm so excited to have Tom Antion here today with us. Tom is not only the host and producer of his show, Screw the Commute, but he is also an internet multimillionaire, the guy next door. And he never had a job, guys. He's the founder of the only licensed, dedicated internet marketing school in the country. He's the subject of a Hollywood documentary, The American Entrepreneur, and that premieres this year, 2021. Welcome, Tom. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here with you, Nova. Yes, I'm so excited. And I met Tom in a mastermind class. And I'm, I'm going to let you in on why I'm so excited, because I have no idea what's going to come out of Tom's mouth. And I'm sure we're all going to be laughing by the end of the show. So tune in. And also, Tom has a special surprise for our listeners. There's going to be a giveaway to everyone who visits screwthecommute.com forward slash rain, R-A-I-N-E. So again, tune in to the end. So you can be a part of the giveaway that Tom is offering. So Tom, you know that I start the show with a story and I'm going to give you a little inspiration behind the story you're going to share with us today. It's a quote from my book, Unleash Your Supernova. And it says, sometimes an unexpected turn of events leads you to an unhappy place and becomes the trigger for internal reflection. In time, tears transform to joy, and suddenly you find your inner star. So I would love to know what story comes to mind where there was an unexpected event, it was unpleasant, like going through it, but somehow things turned around. Well, uh, as soon as I heard that quote, I immediately thought of what happened to me a long time ago when I had a nightclub. I had the second biggest nightclub in the state, and I had been working seven days a week for six years building this up on my way to be a millionaire before I was 30. And then the unexpected event was the drinking age went from 18 to 21 in a college town. (laughs) <laughs> and I lost 400,000 bucks. This is in the 80s, uh, which was, you know, over a million now and uh, lost everything. Now, a couple things when you talk about internal reflection, 
I grew up in a small town where you did what you said you were going to do. People, uh, handshakes meant something in those days. And so I refused to go bankrupt. I said, you know what? I'm going to go to every creditor and I'm going to look them in the eye, shake their hand and say, look, this is what happened to me. You know me for years. I'm not going to screw you out of the money I owe you. And every one of them said, well, okay, Tom, you know, great. And then I paid everybody off over time, including the, the bank couldn't believe it. They said, they said, they said uh, we know this is not your fault. We know how hard you've been working all these years. And it's just the, one of those things. So, mm. so then I got uh, the second part of this is that I, I got hurt, tore my uh, Achilles tendon, which is worse than breaking your leg. And yeah. I ended up, I was living in a vacant house on a mattress with a black and white TV, with most of you listening to this, including <laughs> you probably have never even seen one. <laughs> and and um, I can't walk. I'm living off credit cards. And my dad had instilled in me, like, you know, stay upbeat no matter what happens to you. And I'm surrounding myself with humor books and trying to keep upbeat. And I got the idea. I was watching Candid Camera which everybody loves, but I thought, you know, everybody loves this, but unless you live in California and happen to get caught in the candid camera, you can't participate. So I was doodling and I doodled a little devil with his tongue sticking out. And that turned out to be my federally registered trademark for a company I started called Prank Masters. So the big revelation was that you know, I had been in gunfights and knife fights and bikers trying to kill me in this nightclub. I said, maybe this is a good thing that happened to me. That, And so I started this company. I moved to Washington, D.C. I knew I needed a big city to do this in. And I started a company called Prank Masters where we custom designed practical jokes. Wow. And I starved to death for the first six months. And then the Washington Times did a feature article about me and I started getting busy. Then the Washington Post picked it up and I started getting really busy. And then Associated Press picked it up and I was on radio and TV all over the world for this, including the Tokyo Today Show. (laughs) So then it just exploded. And that was six years, 4,000 custom design practical jokes and uh, basically kicked off my speaking career, which was the next level. So it all came from that drinking age uh, thing that uh, put me out of business in a nasty business, which I was lucky to get out of a lot. Wow. I mean, I heard a lot of really low points in that story, which could have been low points that then turned into something clearly amazing. And it makes me think about, well, when the comment that your father made in regards to no matter what, keep a positive or upbeat attitude. Mm -hmm. And something that I mentioned in the book is really pay attention to your environment. And part of that is really your mental space, right? And if you allow yourself to sort of get taken away by this whirlwind of negativity, the woulda, shoulda, couldas, and the woe is me, and not saying that when you tore your Achilles, that wasn't painful and you had to deal with that pain and adjust to that living circumstance you had with being on the mattress, living off credit cards. And then of course, when the nightclub business took a dive, you had to take that punch as well. The fact that you didn't dwell in that and stay in that and use that as a reason to give up or stop or say, oh, I'm not a good person. I'm not worth anything because this didn't work out for me. I think that's really powerful. Well, you know, I was one of the biggest names in the whole state. 
And then I went to nothing living on a credit card, <laughs> living on mattresses, right? So, but, uh, you know, I attribute this to my dad. And this is a kind of a lesson for parents out there is that my dad came from Syria on a cattle boat. He's part of this documentary about how he came from Syria with nothing as in the steerage section. In other words, the cattle dung section of a boat to hit the United States in the early 1900s. And he turned into an entrepreneur and then he turned me into an entrepreneur. But he only went to the second grade. But did you ever hear of Johnny Cash? Yeah. Well, Johnny Cash had a song named A Boy Named Sue. And it was a song about an old drunk cowboy that thought that he would, wouldn't would be around to raise his kids. And so he named him Sue to make him scrappy and have to fight all the time to make him tough, right? <laughs> so my dad was 50 when he had me, and he figured he wouldn't be around to raise me. So, and right behind me, if we were on video, you would see a, a representation of when I was just a baby that could crawl. He would put pillows in front of me and put my toys on the other side to teach me how to overcome obstacles. Wow. And so he was there channeling with me when I'm laying on that mattress and say, okay, this is just another obstacle. You know, this isn't the end. This isn't, I'm a nobody now. And so to this day, if you tell me I can't do something, you better get out of the way as I blow by you doing it because of what he taught me as a baby. And I won't step on anybody or cheat them to get where I'm going. But when somebody tells you you can't do something, that doesn't mean anything. All it means is they couldn't do it. (laughs) Okay, it doesn't mean you couldn't do it. That is such a good point. I mean, that brought back a memory when I shared with a fellow female magazine owner who had hired me to be the stylist for a cover shoot that this really well-known magazine was doing at the time. And I had a vision of wanting my own magazine and I wanted to inspire people, you know, especially creatives and entrepreneurs, designers like myself. And I was working with the creative team and the talent that was going to be featured. And so the founder comes in to the photo shoot and I was like, oh my gosh, I've had this magazine for so many years and I've read it and I was dedicated, you know, reader and everything and fan. And I couldn't believe I was now meeting the founder in person. And I went up to her, introduced myself and told her my dream. And she pretty much said that I couldn't do that. (laughs) And I was like, what? And she was very tall and she had this really deep voice and, and really strong presence. And I was just like, did she just tell me no? Did she just tell me I can't do this? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, it lit the biggest fire in me to say, you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong. And for me, the best revenge is success. Like same with you. I'm not going to cheat you. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to do it and do it well. And so for maybe she did it on purpose. Listen, (laughs) so you couldn't do it to light that fire for you. You don't know, you know, well, that's definitely the glass half full perspective. (laughs) And so I will take that. Thank you. I'm going to take it and look at that memory and that experience through different lens because I was so determined to do it. And I didn't come from a publishing background and I didn't have deep contacts or deep pockets to launch a magazine. So I could see how impossible it would have seemed at that time when I was sharing this dream with her. But when she said no, I was like, "Uh uh-uh. Oh, I'll prove you wrong. (laughs) Do you remember, what was that movie where there was a lady like that that was in fashion, you know, you're into fashion, so it was- Oh, yeah. uh, The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So internally, 
she saw something in that young girl and pushed right. her to the limits and the and a similar thing. That's true. That's a very good point. So in this journey of yours where you were doing 4,000 pranks. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had 35 people working for me at the time. Wow. How did you go from there to the million dollars or was that the million dollar idea? And then second part of that question, rumor has it that you're quoted saying, quote, I couldn't stop money coming into my checking account even if I tried, unquote. So I'm going to leave that with you for a minute. <laughs> okay, so the transition was is even though the company was going great, it wasn't a million dollars for me at the time. And I was always thinking there's something bigger out there. And mm -hmm. I was in a, a bookstore and a lady was going by with a baby carriage. There were, there's boxes all over the place in the middle of the day. And I move, this is like what, my most woo-woo story I have. Mm. I move out of the way to let her pass and my head hits a book. And I pulled the book off the shelf and it was called Speak and Grow Rich. And as a play on the Think and Grow Rich. And I thought, speaking engagements, wow. I mean, I have massive business experience. I'm funny as heck. I wrote custom humor for six years at that business. This is perfect for me. So I called the lady up and I got good training from her. The lady that wrote the book ended up, she started my speaking career. And the jokes were anywhere, the, the practical jokes at the time were anywhere from 75 to maybe a couple hundred bucks. But my first speaking engagements was 1250 bucks. And when I quit corporate mm. speaking, my fee was 20000 And I haven't done a speech in the last 20 years that hasn't been less than 100000 because of back-of-the-room sales and not obnoxious back-of-the-room sales, I might add. That was the transition out of the Practical Joke Company into this professional speaking career. And then we were all just trying to sell stuff at the back of the room in those days. And now this was pre-internet. And uh -huh. so it was hard enough to sell your stuff across the street, let alone around the world. And so when the commercial internet came around in 1994, I'm thinking, are you telling me I can sit on my butt in front of this computer and sell my stuff around the world? And I said, I'm gonna figure this out. And again, wow. it, was, it was two years of, I didn't sell a nickel until I got good training from a guy named Corey Rudel who was selling $5 million a year from his apartment. And so I got good training from him and started making money. Now, one of the, now to get to your quote from me, one of the techniques that everybody should be looking for in their, if they're doing any kind of online stuff is called residual affiliate programs. And what that means, first of all, I'll explain an affiliate program to make sure everybody knows what that is. That's where, let's say Nova has a, um, an online course. And I tell my folks, hey, you gotta check out Nova's online course, it's great. And if they buy it through my link, Nova gives me a commission. So let's say it's $30 a month for your course, Nova. And I recommend it and you give me 10 bucks for anybody I send to you. Well, that's the first month. What happens the second month? They pay their 30 bucks to you and you give me 10 bucks again. Mm -hmm. What happens the third month? They give you 30 bucks, you give me 10 bucks. Well, how many times did I promote it to that person? Once. How many times do I get paid? Forever, as long as they stay in your program. That's called a residual affiliate program. And so I've got stuff coming in that I promoted, I don't know, 
18 years ago and it's still yeah. paying off to this day. <laughs> so, and that's why I could just quit and have several hundred thousand dollars a year coming in from just those things. Okay? So I couldn't stop. I'd have to go hide out in Mexico and cancel my bank account. But <laughs> chances of that happen are slim. All right? But uh, that's a residual affiliate program. And it's just one of the many options you have with online business stuff. Well, no, that's an excellent point and a great tip. And so for those that are interested in finding these programs, how would they? Like, where do they go? And Well, you just uh, simply, <laughs> this is really high tech here. You Google residual affiliate programs. <laughs> so there's yeah, sites that, yeah. Yeah, there's sites that list them for you, the ones that pay over and over. And there's lots of services and hosting things. And all there's all kinds of things that will pay you over and over and over again, rather than a one-time affiliate commission. And I, I make money with those too, but I keep my eye out for the residual ones because I promote it once and I get paid forever, or as long, at least as long as that person stays in. So then the trick is being a good promoter, right? Because so then you had this internet marketing service or skills and you perfected that and then you brought the product in that you could promote through these affiliate programs, correct? Yeah, that's just one facet of it. I mean, I highly recommend people create their own products, especially in this digital world, because they're 97% profit. I mean, what business is 97% profit that you can start from your computer for free? I mean, if you can do, if you have a Word document, convert it to PDF and then convert it to Amazon Kindle, you got nothing, no money involved in a piece of intellectual property that can sell around the world at 97% profit. <laughs> what, can, what other business is there that you can possibly do that? None. So you're referring to eBooks? E, yeah, yes, eBooks or online courses, things like that. Yeah, the eBooks, I'm, I'm actually doing a mastermind a course on that right now for PDF and Kindle. We don't bother with any other brand of ebook because this uh, PDF and Kindle are the big kahuna. You're wasting your time doing the other ones. But online courses, things like that, anything digital is 97% profit, just a little bit of credit card fees that you got to pay, and that's, that's it. Or if you're, it's an affiliate thing, now that you're going to give away an affiliate commission, but you'll get a customer that you wouldn't have had any, any other way. Right. That's true. That's true. And not that we have to go too into this, but I'm just curious for those that are listening that are interested in doing an ebook and may have no idea where to start. How long does an ebook need to be, in your opinion, for someone to want to market it? So let's say they, I don't know, created a a new way to meditate. I'm just making this up, mm -hmm. and they wanted to monetize that. Does it have to be 20 pages, 50 pages, like? Where do they start and what would you say is something that's realistic for them to start monetizing? Okay, so I get that question 600 times a week. <laughs> All right, so, <laughs> and here's my answer. It has nothing to do with pages. You can manipulate the page count easily with white space, font size, graphics, and so forth. Here's my philosophy that I think is uh, better serves you. I wanna make my books and products so great that when you get it, you say, I can't believe I got this much value for so little money. Mm. It has nothing to do with page count. It has to do with value. And I mean, I get lazy now. I, I just uh, promoted this course. I filled up the first class in like hours 
And I had to make a second class, which I filled up and didn't even write a sales letter because my reputation has been built on that, what I just told you. So if I put something out, people know high value compared to the cost. I mean, some people would be charging 5,000 bucks for what I'm selling for $600. So that's what I want you to do. Now, there is a caveat there. If you're going to do something on Amazon and it's a very short thing, do not call it a book because you will immediately get poor reviews and then the whole project is done. So you can call it a white paper, you can sell articles, you can sell white papers, uh, special reports, but don't call it a book if it is just a few pages or 10 pages or so. My eight and a half by 11 PDFs are anywhere from 30 pages up to 300 pages. So. Uh, but again, you can manipulate that with white space, font size, graphics, and so forth. Okay, that's really good to know. For those of you that are interested in putting out that ebook, but I also would love to ask you in terms of making money quickly, which we may have already touched on regarding the affiliate program, but you're known for creating a video for pennies on the dollar that would cost someone else $50,000. So I want to touch on both of those two things. For those people that are struggling right now financially and need to make money quickly, what would that be? Yeah, let's do that one first. And I think this is going to surprise you because I actually have two quick stories about that. When somebody comes to me in that situation where they have to make money quickly, the first place I point them is eBay. There is so much money at eBay and you can literally have money coming in tomorrow if you have a PayPal account and clean out your basement at the same time. <laughs> All right, so let me tell you a couple stories about this. Now, a friend of mine, her name is Lynn Drawley, and she was a single mom and she would go to yards, take 80 to 100 bucks every Saturday morning and go to yard sales. And she'd see what they had and she'd see something that maybe she wanted and she'd go and if you do what is called an advanced search on eBay, you can see all the auctions on a particular item for the past 90 days, how much they sold for and whether they sold or not. So she would see something, let's say a Tonka truck or something for five bucks at a yard sale. She'd go to her cell phone. She'd look at the Tonka truck. It's selling for $52 on average on so she would buy it, okay? Or if it was, they're trying to sell it for 50 bucks and it's only selling for five, she wouldn't buy it. She was clearing $1,000 to $1,100 a week just by that method, profit to support her and her kids. It's that fast. Now, the other story is this one. So I, I grew up very frugal. I mentioned my dad came on a cattle boat from Syria, a child, no shoes. So he passed this frugality onto me. I'm not a cheapskate, but I'm always looking for cheap ways to do stuff. So anything I need, I usually buy on either Facebook Marketplace or OfferUp. Those are two local places where you can buy stuff. So I bought this tool off of this guy and I go to his house and it's a gorgeous house and he's got this half a million dollar motorhome outside. And he comes to the door, he's dressed nicely, and he invites me in to buy this tool, and he has a shop in his basement. So we go, and we're heading down to his basement. And Nova, everything up to this point is normal. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm following him to his shop and I'm looking over to the right in his basement and there are hundreds, hundreds of women's brassieres hanging from the floors, the rafters in his. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, oh my God. He kills people and hangs their underwear up. <laughs> wow. So I, I keep going. I buy the tool. I'm talking to him. Everything is normal. And uh, we're talking about how our dads taught us to use tools and everything. And, and you know, s- since I was in all those gunfights and knife fights and people trying to kill me, I'm pretty security conscious. In fact, I have a website called Brutal Self-Defense. So, so when we're going to leave, I make sure I'm walking behind him because I don't, <laughs> don't want to end up my underwear on his, his, right? his thing. <laughs> so I ask him, I say, hey, I got to ask you, what's all these bra- bras hanging up here for? Yeah. And he's like, oh, my daughter goes to thrift stores and she knows all the people there and she knows all the sizes that are hard to come by and she buys them, cleans them up and sells them on eBay. And she makes about $200,000 a year doing it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking, hey, man, I wonder if I could get into that. I said, uh, probably if I hung around thrift stores looking for bras, <laughs> probably, yeah, yeah. probably wouldn't be the best thing. <laughs> so there's just enormous. The guy that taught me to do eBay, I was a power seller for a long time, was doing about $7,000 a month. But he was selling used cell phones and doll heads. He wow. would make these doll heads for 10 cents and sell them for 10 bucks for people that make dolls <laughs> so wow. it's just everything imaginable there that you can make money and they have buyers people come there with money and you don't have to have a website nothing and you could as long as you have a paypal account you could be making money by tomorrow mm, good stuff <laughs> really good stuff as you were saying you know, i was like "Ooh, i got some beanie babies i got oh yeah collectibles cards. Well, when I get time, my mother was kind of crazy, but she, uh, ever since the mid 50s, she's been collecting McDonald's stuff. I have a storage facility, mm. uh, 10 by 20, floor to ceiling, full of McDonald's stuff all the way from the 50s. Unopened stuff. I mean, she would go to every Wednesday. I finally figured out why my dad died. He got sick of taking my mother to 12 McDonald's every Wednesdays when the Happy Meals came. she would bribe the managers to hold back the stuff for her i mean it's just crazy but i have all this stuff and it's worth a fortune now because there's a collector wow yeah (laughs) yeah don't think on collectibles y'all yeah 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 but i'll tell you i also have she has a bunch of depression glass it's called Uh, but the darn thing about it is depression glass can break the, the lady making the money on depression glass is the one that wrote the book about depression glass and just took pictures of the stuff and has been selling the book for 25, 30 years. Oh, wow. With no breakage, no worry, no having to go look for more depression glass. She's got it all categorized and sells the book over and over and over again. So that's the smart way to do it. Ah, okay, okay. I like that too. And as soon as we get done here, I'm forgot about the bra store. I'm gonna go see, uh, look for bras. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hmm. I think I'm okay with. <laughs> well, people, you know, I'm a big guy, so people ask me. You know, I'm always trying to lose weight, and they say, "Well, how much weight do you want to lose, Tom?" I says, "Well, I just want to get down to a B cup. That's all." <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. What was the other thing I was supposed to tell you about? So making money fast. Oh, the, then, the video, right? Yeah. So in terms of we know video is a big deal right now and there's a lot of tools in creating video and it's a great way to promote and market yourself. So how do you do a $50,000 video for pennies on the dollar? So here's the thing. Over the years, I've had a guy that was Emmy nominated, retired from Hollywood, worked on the original Star Wars, worked for me. Mm-hmm. And I had another guy that was a Hollywood promo director who's retired now and worked for me for a while after he left Hollywood. And both of them told me they had millions of dollars of cameras and lights and everything. And if you can picture this right now, I'm holding my cell phone out, looking at myself. And both of them said, now it's an acceptable video picture to just hold a cell phone and shoot a selfie of yourself. So the first thing is, is shoot everything about your business. What you do, shoot behind the scenes. We call those candidates of how you work with people, how you do stuff. Shoot people giving testimonials. Shoot everything. Doesn't matter if it's a little bouncy, as long as you get good audio. People will put up with poor video, but they won't put up with poor audio. Mm -hmm. And then you recruit a young person that's good at editing. I actually got off a Craigslist, a film school graduate who was just trying to build her resume. And prior to this, I had got estimates for this video I wanted to shoot from $36,000 to $55,000. Wow. We did it for $3,000, and it's 28 and a half minutes long, and it can be played on least access television, really cheap. The cable companies have to give you a cheaper rate as an independent producer. And I gave it out at speaking engagements. Part of my contract at the speaking was they had to give this out when people registered. And I wasn't speaking the first day. So they would go up and watch it and then come down and buy my stuff before I even started speaking. (laughs) So that you can use it for all kinds of things, but it puts you way in front of your competitors. So basically you shoot everything And then you get somebody that's good at putting it together for you with an editing software because you can figure out editing software, but there's an art to it. So you want somebody that's really good at it to put it together for you. And it's been, I've been using it 13 years and it's made, oh, it's made, I think, $15 million. (laughs) So just uh, getting people say, wow, this guy's great. Let's buy his stuff. So that's how you do it. You shoot everything, but you get somebody else to edit it for you. Got it. Got it. Love it. Shoot everything. All right. So this is the part of the show where I turn the mic to you and you become the host and you can ask me whatever you like. (laughs) Whatever I like. I'm going to put an asterisk. You got guts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was actually uh, looking at your website the other day. And uh, I was thinking, God, she's a supermodel. Look at her. (laughs) And I was saying, wow, she's showing a lot of leg on that one picture there. Like, so I want to know how many inches your dress was above your knee in that one picture where your leg was crossed. There you go. Ah, wow. That's a good question. Your fashion, you know, the fashion people will be interested in that, right? That is so funny. It actually came up to just above the middle of my thigh. So it it showed a lot of leg and it was funny because when we were selecting which photo to use for the cover and there was one where it was even higher 
And I really liked my pose, like my face, what my hands were doing. And everyone was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you can't be showing all that. I was like, why not? I mean, no, they, they have to pay extra for that. So they have to buy the magazine. See? So, how tall are you? I'm 5'5. Five, 5'5, five. Five, five. okay. I thought you were yeah. taller than that. Yeah, people think I'm taller all the time. I'm like, okay, I'll take it. Listen, I've always wanted two extra inches when I was growing up because I wanted to walk the runway. <laughs> as a high fashion model and I was like I just need two more inches Kate Moss did it I just need two more inches yeah I know I got the five five <laughs> so did you do any fashion yes actually I was in some shows but most of the fashion I did early on was designing and producing fashion shows for my collection and then of course at the end of each show, the designer gets to walk the runway. So that was my way of getting on the runway. But I absolutely love designing and looking forward to a new collection that I'm working on being debuted this summer. Awesome. Now, I may have mentioned my dad was an electrician, maybe not, but he used to bring home black electrical tape all the time. Everything we had was fixed with electrical tape. Our baseball bats had electrical tape. Everything was electrical tape. <laughs> well, somehow I just tripped on some videos that they had a very unique use for electrical tape that had to do for fashion. It's called black tape fashion. And I won't go in too deep into what it's about, but they would, the outfits were all made with black electrical tape. And yep. they would, have you ever heard of this? I've seen images. Yes. I can imagine them doing that with me, with my hairy chest. I'd be screaming. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fascinating. I mean, you can go online and see, especially with the new fashion colors they have out, the designs that people will come up with, fashion designs with that electrical tape because you have sparkly tape you have hot pink tape you have neon <laughs> green tape oh yeah <laughs> i was uh, i thought boy it, was, it came a long way since me fixing my baseball bat with <laughs> right many uses of black electrical tape like who would think it would enter into the fashion space but i think it it's in that that area of art because there is a lot of fashion that's really truly just for the purpose of the exhibition of the creation, not necessarily the functionality of it. And I love seeing how people can take these unique mediums and turn it into something so unexpected. Well, uh, electrical tape is waterproof. So <laughs> I could, I could yes. actually use it. Well, how about some swimsuits with electrical yeah. tape? <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought they were making. Or maybe that was lingerie, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So how long have you been in the fashion industry? Ooh, so should I say my age that I tell my children? All I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to ask it that way. No, I've been in the fashion industry actually for over 20 years. Wow. Yeah, I can't believe it. Yeah, you're lying. Yeah, I'm nobody, lying. Looks, that, nobody yeah. looks that young. With, and, well, uh, I started when I was five. Five. So. All right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> now, I understand that... ABC took a big interest in you and gave you like $22 million to uh, interview you and was in a big auction with NBC and everybody else. Uh, what about that? I'm going to have to talk to my assistant. I want to know who leaked that information. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was like supposed to be on the DL. So, but in all seriousness, yeah, I recently had a, a featured interview with ABC. It gets released 
in February. So depending on when you're going to be hearing this show and they were really interested in my new book, Unleash Your Supernova, the fashion collection that I'm working on, which brings together mindfulness, fashion, diversity, and really brings attention to mental health. I think that sustainability not only incorporates art and the environment, but more importantly, the ability to sustain ourselves through our businesses, through our skill sets, but then also our mind space. And especially in the time that we're in right now, I feel like there's a lot of PTSD that we're going to be dealing with in the coming years. And so the more answers and solutions we have to deal with the micro traumas and the stress and anxiety that we're currently dealing with, the better. And why not use fashion as a platform (laughs) to do that? Yes, I don't blame you. So one of our listeners, Charlie, asks, if you had to summarize your work in one sentence, what would that sentence be? I teach people to have their online presence make money instead of eat money. Hmm. I love that. <laughs> I'm, you're going to have to say that again. Okay, let's echo that. Say that again. Oh, oh I just, I, I teach people to have their online presence make money instead of eat money. And I would probably say 98% of individuals online are not able to monetize that presence. And yeah, they're, they're, they're mostly interested in aesthetics and looking good and having a lot of followers, And that's great for your ego, but it doesn't help your bank account. So I've had plenty of sites, quote, ugly websites that cash flowed $40,000 a year. Mm. So you can have both. Sure. And your online stuff needs to be good enough to represent you well professionally. But if it doesn't have the monetization, it won't last. That's the problem. You can get a big ego boost for a little while, but then you're broke. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. Excellent point. And we will, um, at the end, make sure our listeners know how to reach out to you to get that advice and that insight. So, yeah, that's amazing. I have another question from our listener, Bryson. How does mindfulness, intention, and imagination play into your work? Well, I'm not sure the definition of all those, but. I'm always, <laughs> I'm always thinking if mindfulness is thinking, how can I help people? You know, I don't think, how can I make money? Mm-hmm. It's how can I help people? And that turns into money. If you're always thinking about just how to make money, then you're not, it's again, not sustainable because people will start to see that you're all about you and not about them. So that's part of my mindfulness. And then imagination I think is an important skill. It's not the only skill you need, but I developed mine because I was the baby of six boys living in the suburbs of a town of only 500 people. So basically I lived in the sticks and had to entertain myself. There's no neighbor (laughs) kids playing ball on the street. You know, you get run over by a trailer truck if you did. So it allows my mind and it helped me in my, uh, practical joke business and writing custom humor for all those years, uh, seeing things differently. However, I say that, but some people say, well, I don't really have a big imagination. Guess what? It doesn't matter. All you have to do is jump into a field where there already is business. And I call this my pizza shop theory, where there's a big demand for pizza in the world. If you just do a good job making pizza and run your business good, you'll get your fair share of the business. 
So imagination is not critical for this, but it can take you in different directions. And an example, one of the things I teach is hobby, make your hobbies tax deductible. Yeah. So I'm a tennis nut. And yeah, you know, the ball machine was $1,800 and the rackets are a couple hundred bucks and you got to have a PhD to pick what strings it should be on. I mean, it's crazy. So at my tennis court, Roger Federer is never there. Rafael Nadal's never there. Maria Sharapo is never there. <laughs> but there's a bunch of big fat butts like me there trying to win. Mm-hmm. So I created a site called Fatso Tennis. <laughs> and it's for overweight and hopelessly out of shape people that love tennis. <laughs> and so yeah, I, I shot that. a DVD, which is part funny of the funny gadgets that fat people use playing tennis. Yeah. But it's also serious in that older people like me know how to shoot certain shots to frustrate the young people and run them to death before you drop dead. <laughs> so made my hobbies tax deductible. It's a $40 DVD set that we sell. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was imaginative and going opposite of what the, everything else was. Because I couldn't just go out, pretend to be a tennis professional and compete with them. So I went opposite. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And I want to go back to the point about the pizza shop. And I think it's contrary to the um, blue ocean theory. And I want to get your thoughts on that. So I agree. Like, it was funny. I was having a conversation with, in terms of pizza and opening a good pizza shop, I was having a conversation with my husband the other day. We relocated to the sticks a couple of years ago. And it's really hard to find good pizza. I mean, but there's (laughs) pizza shops everywhere. And they're busy. And I said to my husband, I was like, you know what? We need to open a pizza shop, (laughs) get a good oven. And I just had this whole thing. And I was like, if it's really good, could you imagine like these okay shops are just, they're doing gangbusters. Could you imagine if a really good one opens? But that's sort of like going into the red ocean where there's a lot of competition versus the blue ocean where you find an idea that no one's doing and then go deep on that. So what's your thought about that? Well, first of all, if you decide to open a pizza shop, I would advise you to get a baseball bat. Okay. And then hit yourself in the head with it over and over until you got out of that idea. <laughs> Come on, we need good pizza where I live. <laughs> yeah, but you don't want to be, I had, my nightclub had a pizza shop in it. So I can throw the pizzas up in the air and all this stuff. But, uh-huh. uh, you know, I'm happy that other people decide to do this, but nobody that I advise does because... It's too risky. It's too low profit. It's too dangerous. There's too much insurance. It's all kinds of bad stuff involved with it compared to a 97% profit selling information products online. Say so. And when I had it, we had the only delivery service out in the in the boondocks outside of Morgantown, West Virginia, and we actually had this big monster truck, and nobody had addresses. So the directions would be go down to the end of the white fence on Route 857, turn right, there'll be a bunch of sheep right there. At the, <laughs> I mean, this yeah. is how we delivered pizza. We had to put a a, a wedge, uh, one of those wedge pillows because yeah. it was the hills were so steep, all the cheese would be in one side of the box before we could. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So no, don't start a pizza shop, please. Eat pizza, but oh. and, yeah, don't do it. I'll think about it. But anyway, the blue ocean thing, there's two scenarios that can happen when you don't find a bunch of products in a particular topic area. One is that you just hit the lottery. You're going to make enormous amounts of money and be rich and forget all about us. But the other, the more likely scenario 
is nobody could make any money in that field. That's why there isn't any products in there. So it's much safer to go into a field where there's fanatic people that will buy stuff over and over and over again. And so that's so uh, what I advise people to do. Mm, love it. So I have one more question before we wrap it up from our listeners. This is from Barbara. What current tools do you believe are better for getting more traffic to your website? Well, the biggest bargain on earth, and this is, uh, by the way, I was taught by the best of the best in search engine optimization, SEO, and uh, was top of the search engines for my main or main popular keywords for 12 years straight. We quit five or six years ago bothering with SEO other than the basics so you don't shoot yourself in the foot. We go to paid traffic now. And the best bargain on earth are YouTube in-stream ads. And you're all familiar with the ones where you can click the skip button, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people don't know that if you click that skip button before 30 seconds, the advertiser doesn't pay anything. It's free. And for major keywords that I would pay in regular Google search from a buck and a half to $5 per click, mm-hmm. I get video views for between two and four cents. Mm-hmm. So it's the best bargain. You can have traffic coming in in no time at all. And even sometimes like we'll disqualify people. We'll try to get them to click. And if you can't get them to click, that means they're a good prospect. So I might say uh, we have this uh, scholarship program in my school for uh, military spouses. Mm -hmm. So I might do an ad that says, hey, if you're a military spouse that's happy with your multi-level marketing crap and making your friends all mad at Starbucks, (laughs) then uh, go ahead and click the skip button. You don't want to hear what I have to say. But if you want your family to make extra income and residual income and all this, uh, watch this video. So if they're happy with their multi-level marketing, stupid stuff they're doing, right? Right. I don't want to pay for them. So I just tell them to click. But that's the best bargain on earth for traffic is YouTube. It's got enormous visitors. You can get enormous traffic really cheap from that and control it. If you try to do search engine optimization, you're months and months before it even works at all, if it ever works. Right. And then as soon as Google turns a dial on you, you disappear off the face of the earth. So... <laughs> No, paid traffic is the way to go now. All right. (laughs) That was really good. That was really good. Let's review the giveaway before we forget. Sure. You want to do a shout out? Yeah, sure. Well, I got to $1.2 million a year with one part-time temp person. And she didn't really even do much with the customers. And then my accountant called me one day and said, uh, hey, you got too much retained earnings. And I said... What do you mean too much retain? You mean, he says, well, you're going to have to pay extra taxes. And I said, well, you mean I've been keeping my nose clean. I haven't been buying yachts and airplanes and hookers and everything else. And and I got to pay more taxes. He said, yeah, that's how it is. So that's when I got mad. I started hiring all these employees around. (laughs) But up to the, you know, so this ebook that I want to give you, we charge 27 bucks for it, but I want to give it to your folks because it allows you to lightning fast take care of people and for cheap or free tools. That we Just one of the tips in the book has saved me seven and a half million keystrokes. Wow. And see, when you get busy on your online business, you're going to get the same questions over and over again. And even if you had to go find something and cut and paste the answer in, it's just ruins your train of thought. So 
It's all these tools I have to handle. You know, I've had as many as 150,000 subscribers and 40,000 customers and handle them. And I steal customers from other companies ethically and that they don't get back to people in a hurry. So I get back to them instantly. And we also use chat bots to 85% of customer service will be handled by chat bots by the end of this year. And they're $10 a month for a really fancy one. It's free for a regular one. So so this uh, oh, this book gives you all of those things that I use and you can get it at screwthecommute.com slash rain, R-A-I-N-E. And so with all of these automated processes and tools, there's going to take a team to execute it, right? So if you're super busy, you're... No, they're so... They're so powerful. For instance, all my social media is handled by a a program called Meet Edgar. So I just keep loading in more information from all, every time I create something, it goes into Meet Edgar and it sends it out to Facebook and LinkedIn and all these other places randomly. And then uh, I still get notice so that if there's engagement, I can respond personally. Mm -hmm. But uh, you can do massive things with these tools now, uh, folks. Uh, very little money per month without a big team of people. And for those individuals that are looking for a team or looking for support as they're starting out, what would you recommend? The best place uh, to outsource is is the Philippines. They speak better English than I do. They don't want to steal your business. They think it's cool to have a foreign boss. The last person I hired was a lady that was a bank executive that was off on maternity leave. It was $1.74 an hour. And she was brilliant and thrilled to death to have the, to get the money. (laughs) So Philippines is the best place to outsource to. Yeah, because that money goes so much further. Yeah, of course. They're thrilled with that money. Yeah, it's not like you're taking advantage of them. Now, I know we had a bunch of other questions that you kind of mentioned. So I'm very accessible if somebody didn't get their question answered. And I think one of them had to do with what am I going to do with my money for the good of the world? Well, yes, yes. Before we, yes, tell us what are you going to do with all your millions? I take care of animals. Everybody's got their thing. And so I just cannot, I've always been for the underdog, (laughs) quote, underdog. And I just can't stand that these, all these loving souls are abused and abandoned and so forth. So I've spent most of my donation money for uh, animal rescue. Like one time I showed up, this lady's, uh, the selfless lady, she's, she had 17 dogs. That's all the state of Virginia would allow her to keep at her home with her, her and her husband. Uh-huh. And she thinks that I'm going to show up with like a hundred dollar donation. So it was my birthday. And I said, I don't need anything. What can I do? So I threw a fundraiser on my birthday just by a telephone seminar real quick. Uh-huh. And I showed up with $24,000. Wow. <laughs> she thought I had a heart attack. But I mean, little Freddie, the dog needed a $8,000 eye operation. And uh, so uh, this is the kind of stuff um, that I put my money into. Oh, I love that. I love it. And I know you shared so much great information. And I didn't even get warmed up yet. You mean we're done? No, we got to bring you back, Tom. I mean, I was taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> I would love for you to share some words of wisdom for aspiring entrepreneurs that are looking to, especially now, there's so many individuals that are pivoting to entrepreneurship. I've been an entrepreneur for 20 plus years, but there are plenty that are just getting started, what would you like to leave them with? Well, a couple of the big things that I live by. You keep your cost really low 
you keep improving your knowledge, you're careful who you deal with because there's so many people out there and, and I have a copywriting course, but they're so great at writing copy. They tell you a piece of dog poop. This is the greatest dog poop. You got to have this and then you buy it and then, you know, it's worthless. So you got to be careful of not just shiny object syndrome because I, I have a saying in my life, uh, Nova, this is really uh, deep. It says you can pour sugar all day long on poop and it does not make it candy. <laughs> that those are facts right there 100 <laughs> that's deep that's deep isn't it and then you have to be persistent and consistent you can't just keep popping around forever because if you quit too soon that's what every, why everybody fails if you're the one that sticks it out you're the one that'll reap the benefit mm, love it love it yeah we're definitely bringing you back tom we a lot of questions we didn't get to and it was so much fun. And I'm so glad you didn't bring me down into the basement with your <laughs> for me. I didn't <laughs> ask you anything about your broads. You see what a good guest I am? You stay far away from that. So I appreciate that. So it was so much fun. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing those tips, those hacks, those words of wisdom with our listeners to help them tap into and unleash their supernova. Make sure you tune in to our next episode. If you haven't already, definitely pre-order the Unleash Your Supernova book to take a deep dive in how you can tap into your inner brilliance, how you can increase your creativity while beating burnout. So definitely check that out. Depending on when you hear this show, it will probably be released if it's after March 16th of 2021. Thank you again, Tom. Make sure you check out his website, screwthecommute.com hyphen rain for that free giveaway and also listen to his podcast he's amazing get his products as he said earlier he does deliver so much value for the cost so if you want to get ahead if you want to be the next millionaire definitely check out tom's site screw the commute this was a pleasure guys if you need any information definitely dm us at rain magazine on instagram and that's a wrap Until next time, this is Nova Lorraine.